Welcome back to Everything's Public Health. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. Way back in the day, during episode 12, we're on 39. It's a long time ago. Yeah, we alluded to today's topic in the Swiss cheese model episode. What do you remember from that? It's been a while. Right. We talked about how we need redundancy in systems. We need ways to account for the fact that humans are humans and will make errors despite sort of the structures we put in place and to try to protect from errors being made. And if you think about sort of the Swiss cheese model specifically, if you think about all the holes that are in Swiss cheese, think of the hole in the cheese as sort of a missed opportunity or a mistake potentially, then at the end you get an error. Like all of these pieces have to perfectly align for something bad to happen. And so the more slices of cheese, the more they're sort of turned that the holes don't align, then the less likely you are to get a general error or a mistake. Yeah. And the idea is to not to have a perfect slice of cheese, right? The idea is that Swiss cheese are bound to have holes. We need more layers instead of finding like a perfect slice of cheese. Right. And I think you talked in that episode about the refrigerators outside of the ORs, Mm, I think mm. it was, or labs or something and how, you know, well, people were supposed to know that the top was for the right and the bottom was for the left. And it was just, well, why don't you just have two fridges? Just have two separate refrigerators. Right. Minimize decision making, I think, is one of the holy crumbs. Concepts. Thank you. One of the concepts we talked about. <laughs> that was, I need to drink a little bit more coffee. Anyway, we kept it pretty general in that episode, right? The title that we used was Design as Public Health because you can apply this to pretty much anything, right? So, and one of those contexts, I believe we briefly alluded to this, is patient safety and medical errors. And you sort of talked about the refrigerators. Right. And if you could think about, let's use the example of a sort of medication in a hospital. So if you have physicians handwriting papers, right? Oh, we all know what handwriting looks like. (laughs) Right. So you may have something gets written incorrectly based on other medications or inappropriate dosage, right? There's no way to check on a piece of paper. And then maybe a nurse can't read the handwriting or maybe it goes to the wrong patient. And then, you know, the patient ends up with a medication that they're not supposed to have, which could cause issues versus using like an electronic health record, to order prescriptions, you know it's for the right patient. It's going to check for interactions with other medications. It's going to check the dosage, make sure it's right. And then you you scan the barcode on the medication, you scan the barcode on the patient and everybody. It's less likely that something terrible or catastrophic would happen with that kind of setup. And each of those sort of steps is a slice in the Swiss cheese model. Swiss cheese. Yeah. And we'll see this theme again and again every time we talk about patient safety or medical errors. You pretty much summed it up perfectly is that when we think about mistakes, the Swiss cheese model is very helpful to help us understand what are the opportunities for mistakes and how can we not perfectly prevent those things, but prevent it just enough so that if we do multiple of those things, nothing bad happens, right? And today I want to explore patient safety with a little bit more focus. As for where to start, several articles written about patient safety starts with things like The patient safety movement started in the 90s with the publication of the landmark Institute of Medicine report aptly titled To Err is Human. To Err is Human. You heard about this report. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my my master's advisor worked in patient safety and so or organizational culture among nurses and how that could contribute, which is a huge thing. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So most articles will start with that report in the 90s to Err is Human. But this is, I think, a prime example of lag time between occurrence of problem and awareness of problem, right? Just because we found out that this was an issue doesn't mean it wasn't an issue before. And I think this is unfortunately a common theme in public health, like Flint water crisis. Like the water was bad before Flint. (laughs) Unfortunately. 
Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But it was Flint that caused attention and still hasn't fixed things, I believe, the last time I checked. Right. No, I think it's an important consideration when we're talking about public health and how everything is public health that in order to be able to characterize an issue, discuss the magnitude of the burden, you have to measure it. But in order to know that you have to measure it, something usually happens that sort of triggers concern. And then you start measuring it and we're like, oh, look at how big of a problem this is now that we're measuring it. <laughs> yeah. But to your point, it was a problem before, but it took you know something to spark. Well, now we've defined this problem and now we need measures of the problem. Yeah. And then the Institute of Medicine report in the 90s, it was a response to many, many tragedies. So, ooh, there's a reporter's daughter or something that died and it made headlines because uh, the resident was too tired and gave her the wrong thing or whatever. But there was a series of these tragic patient safety death events and that sort of brought the idea that, hey, maybe we need to look into this and hence that report. Well, and I think also for, I don't know, I don't want to throw shade at the medical field, but please throw shade. (laughs) I think that there for a a long time had been, and maybe this is still the case for some folks or in some places, the perception that like physicians are all knowing. And if mistakes are made, that's just sort of the cost of doing business. That's why they call it practicing medicine or the art of medicine, right? Excuses. (laughs) But I think folks recognized, well, this doesn't have to be the way it is. We can learn from other industries where they've minimized errors, they've minimized adverse events, and put those same processes in place, like a checklist. Was it Atul Gawande who who created the checklist manifesto? He didn't create it. He published Sorry, I meant to say he wrote the book. Yeah, he did. Checklist manifesto, right? He did. 30 second summary. Aviation industry uses checklists before and I believe after landing as well, before takeoff, after landing, just to see, hey, it was everything in place. And uh, surgery didn't have that until few decades ago like it was just the surgeon should know everything and then obviously that's just prone to errors so wait i have a really brief side story so i think i've mentioned before that i experienced a lot of injuries as a kid played a lot of sports yes one of the injuries i experienced was i dislocated my right shoulder and had to get some some surgery to to clean things up a little bit well i was i don't know 21 or something maybe just in general i've experienced a, a host of injuries in my life okay yeah but so i got into the clinic for the surgery they hand me a pen or a marker and they say, write your initials on your shoulder. That's all they said to me. The broken shoulder, right? All they said was take the pen and write your initials on your shoulder. So I grabbed the pen with my right hand because I'm right-handed and started to turn to put it on my left shoulder because being right-handed, I'm going to write on my left shoulder. That's naturally you want to go there. I was like, is this to like identify me? I don't really know what's going on. But then I stopped and I asked wait, why am I writing on my shoulder? And she said, oh, you need to write your initials on the shoulder we're supposed to operate on so we make sure that we're operating on the right body part. I was like, that would have been really good to tell me because I legit just wrote on, (laughs) almost wrote on my healthy shoulder. So like maybe a few more instructions when you're handing somebody a pen. Oh God. But I remember when I- That was a um, brush with death though. (laughs) I had surgery recently. They asked me like before they put me under, they're like, okay, this is your name. You're here for this procedure. And like I had to, you know, thumbs up everything. And and that made me feel a lot better that they were going to take out the right body part. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of, you know, hey, right on your shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. 
anyway oh god i digress all these things we're gonna come back to so you did a what's that thing when mystery authors put something in the beginning foreshadowing foreshadow you foreshadow a lot of things as we'll see in a few minutes so you know how in the same way that cop and crime shows grossly distort the effectiveness of our forensic and law enforcement yes throwback to the micro stamping episode if you haven't listened to that yeah that was like a brief we flirted with it a little bit yeah we flirted with it but we'll come back to it eventually but yeah medical drama in the same way has given hospital and medicine way too much credit since the birth of hospitals or modern medicine there were plenty of patient safety issues and concerns patient error occurred all the time and hospitals are not a safe place to be ironically now is probably a good time to think about you know what is a patient error and it could be something small it could be something that never amounts to anything but it's still an error like uh, mixing up biological specimens of your test results actually that's pretty serious now that i think about it <laughs> i was gonna it. say um, giving somebody the wrong results is a, is a not a good thing so what is something small um uh, oh your information was entered incorrectly because of a typo right so maybe your birthday was a day off or something right so but forget to follow up in, in a timely manner or you know straight up diagnostic errors these are all big things you're an inpatient and the doctor says that you need to run fluids at whatever 50 units per hour and they run it at 49 probably one unit is not going to make a huge deal in the grand scheme of things but it is technically an error because it was run at the wrong rate so these can be small that never lead to any negative outcomes but it's still a mistake or an error it's still an error and also you said 50 to 49 what if they added another zero that would be something 50 to 500 that's like a tenfold increase right or there are medications that have sort of similar spellings similar not spellings like similar names and if you're like poor handwriting and somebody you know you can't read a doctor's handwriting you could be given the wrong medication which could be a huge issue or medication may not what's a contraindicated or a contraindicated or something yeah, I don't con- know. contraindicated or it could have interactions with medications you're currently taking and allergies yeah or Oh yeah, I have I have some medication allergies, and so I'm always very careful. To I saw the trauma those. flash across your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Has something happened in the past? No, I just I'm super allergic to penicillin, like super Ooh, allergic. Okay, that's something important to tell them. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm you know I'm always careful, and they they put a band on me and all those kinds of things, which is great. But you know, if something happened and I was given penicillin, that'd be bad. That'd be bad, right? So medication error is one of the most common, if not the most common medical errors out there where you're simply given the wrong dose, the wrong type, or to the wrong person, et cetera, like that. And a lot of these examples are small errors, and they may or may not lead to actual adverse events. But medical error can be a lot more serious, like, for example, hospital-acquired infections from an improperly cleaned thing. So central line infection used to be a, a very big issue. It's not so anymore because there has been steps to address no, it. No, because of checklists. Because of checklists. Yes, that's also that's also right. They used to not following the procedure, I guess, the proper procedure. Or, you know, everybody sort of doing it their own way as opposed to a standardized way. Yeah, which is an, another common theme that we'll probably explore maybe in this episode, maybe in a future episode. Another serious thing is tubes going down to esophagus instead of your airway so you're not getting air into your lungs you're getting air into your stomach straight up giving you something that you shouldn't be taking we sort of mentioned this and perhaps the most dramatic of these medical errors are what's called sentinel events unexpected occurrence that result in death or serious physical or psychological injury or the risk of later occurrence not all of them are medical errors related but most are so for example 
a sentinel event would be a wrong site surgery and you you sort of very close perhaps very close to getting a wrong site surgery by writing your name on the wrong shoulder which is not your fault they didn't tell you so poor communication of instructions yeah and then wrong person surgery like you literally operated on someone that's not meant to get this procedure or wrong surgeries in general so maybe they there was a mix-up in paperwork whatever right so these are sentinel events that really is horrific if you think about it like you wake up with the wrong leg missing you're supposed to get like your right foot amputated but you got your left foot amputated and now both your feet are gone because your left foot wasn't amputated oh, right? man. so it's causing me so much anxiety to think about but you <laughs> oh, know God. we're sort of talking about really sort of extreme examples that might come out of this but it could be something that seems more simple that really could be something terrible so if you're doing surgery and you're sort of addressing blood loss and whatever and you've got sponges and then you're closing folks up and you leave a sponge inside somebody so you know in the grand scheme of things it may or may not cause larger issues but we should not be leaving things inside of patients bodies again this is where checklists come in like before you can close up a patient now you have to check do we have all of the sponges do we have all the equipment do we you know do we have everything we need and just really being more attentive to the ways mistakes can occur can help us keep them from happening. Yeah. And you said a sponge, but there has been cases of something even more egregious, like a literal metal piece of metal equipment, right? So it's a scalpel or something that has happened Ooh, before. I don't think people would leave a scalpel inside. No, that has happened before. <laughs> oh God, that would just like every time you moved, it, you'd be like death from a thousand paper cuts kind of on the inside, except with a scalpel. So not paper cuts. That's something they would find out relatively quickly. But that has happened before. Like if you can think of it, that thing has probably been left inside a paper about it before. But thankfully, we have checklists now. These are sentinel events, and these occur with a frequency that is, while not frequent, but it certainly happens enough times that it is a serious issue. Because let's face it, like this thing happening once is too many times. And this is why it's such a big public health concern, because so many people are being harmed or are in some cases killed unnecessarily by something very preventable, or we know to be preventable. Now, as for numbers, this is where it gets murky and controversial. Some sources claim that medical errors are responsible for 250,000 deaths a year, ranking it the third leading cause of death in America. Uh, That is a lot. The IOM, or sorry, the Institute of Medicine's original estimate was much lower at 44,000 to almost 100,000 deaths per year. And some other studies suggest that 1% of hospital emissions results in adverse events due to negligence. There are many reasons for this variation. The first one being, well, how do we define what's an error? Like if a patient died and there was an error, is that error necessarily related to that death, right? It's hard to define those things. And what's the time scope of error? If the error was made a month ago, do we count that as an error being associated with death? And there's a lot of these researchy questions, I guess. There must be a term for this where it's up to the researchers or the authors to sort of define how they're defining things. And as a result, you get this massive range of what's the actual true impact of patient safety issues. But this is the common thread. The one thing that every source agree on is it is underreported. Right. And some of the things we've talked about previously could contribute to that underreporting. It might be unintentional underreporting because folks don't know an error occurred because nothing bad happened or much later, and it's sort of hard to connect the dots. It could be intentional underreporting because people don't want to lose their jobs because they made a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. But 
at the end of the day, as you said, it's an undercount and it may help folks to think about sort of medical errors like a pyramid, like we think of other injuries, right? Sort of the sentinel events that you were describing, MJ, are at the tip of the pyramid, hopefully more rare, also more fatal or more likely to be fatal, more fatal, more likely <laughs> to be fatal if they if they occur. And then below, you've got maybe severe things that resulted in an illness or an injury, but not death. And then below that, you've got things that, you know, maybe didn't even result in in some kind of harmful outcome. But you can sort of conceptualize how if we think that there are 250,000 people dying every year, or even if it's 100,000 people dying from medical errors, how many more people experience some kind of error that doesn't lead to an adverse event, but could have in different circumstances? Yeah. So it is an undercount by every source has admitted that it's an undercount. Another thing is that these data are extremely hard to come by. We don't really have a standardized. I mean, we do. But like you said, people would have to, you know, <laughs> report it, right? If, if uh, a system was set up like that. So it's an undercount. But the bottom line is, is a huge issue in medicine. Uh, patient safety and medical care is a huge issue. And therefore, it's a public health concern because isn't it ironic that the place that we're supposed to get better is also causing a lot of these harms and death? And the term for adverse effect of healthcare, there's actually a term for this called iatrogenic, uh, meaning that it is a harm that you got while seeking care. <laughs> right. Either because of an examination or the treatment or whatever procedure was done to you, then there's harm as a result of it. Yeah. And it's very common and errors happen so frequently that it will be almost unfathomable if this was any other industry. Like it's very unique that in medicine, allow is the wrong word, but in medicine. Tolerates. Yeah. We tolerated uh, this high level error. Like imagine this in aviation, like planes, that would be equivalent of planes crashing like every other day. People are not going to fly anymore, right? But in medicine, somehow this keeps happening. And the tragic part of this, a lot of this is preventable. Yeah, I think the the comparison between aviation and medicine is a really compelling one. But it also, like, we need to think about the fact that if you are ill, if you're experiencing an emergency, an illness, injury, whatever, like, you're not like, ooh. Let me shop around. <laughs> maybe I won't yeah. take care of it today, right? Like, And we've talked about this before, that when you have a market where you have little choice in like when you might need to seek care that can impact things. But aviation, like if an airline had a bunch of crashes, people would not go to that airline, right? <laughs> not buy tickets from that, right? Because you can choose perhaps when you fly or which carrier you, you fly choose, on, et cetera. Yeah. And so there is a little bit of a mismatch in terms of these analogies, but in aviation, they have made immense gains in safety and reporting of these adverse events, reporting of near misses. So yes. even if something bad doesn't happen, but it almost happened, then they report those as well. And I think it's a different culture where there's it's not a focus on finding the person who did the wrong thing and taking punitive action. Rather, it's what can we learn from because this could have happened to anybody. And I feel like we're still missing that in some instances in the medical field. Yeah. And since the publication of Two Earth is Human, progress has been made, but it's slower than expected than what most experts would have wanted in addressing these system issues and culture issue in our healthcare system. The initial spark of fervor in the 90s died down relatively quickly, possibly because of 9-11 that happened right around the corner um, and other major issues that happened. But we did not make nearly as much progress as we should have in the last two decades. Now, so the natural extension then is why? Like, why do you think these medical errors happen? And you sort of alluded to this a, a little bit already. Right. So I think the the overly simplified answer is that 
people make mistakes and we have environments where it we're not sort of set up to catch those mistakes. But the issue I always have with the the IOM report to Air is Human is it I think sort of focuses too much on the person. And yes, the the goal of that book is to highlight ways we need to address systems, but to name the book to Air is Human implies that, okay, yeah, we're going to make mistakes and there isn't a lot that we can do about it. Right. Which, I don't know, maybe I'm being pessimistic this morning, but... No, that's a fair critique. I feel like we need to be focused far more on systems. Like, had they named the book, checklists can prevent a human error or, you know, systems to reduce the impact of human error would have, I think, maybe changed the focus and not had it so much on what can we do to prevent one individual person or persons from making mistakes and rather like how do we need to craft a system where it's less likely that everybody can make mistakes. That's a weird way to say everybody. Do you want to do another take? No, it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, I think you, you hit it on you hit it on the nail. Wait. Hit the nail on the head? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> All right, we're winning this morning. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head uh, in that it is very much a systems issue. And people know this. A lot of patient safety experts has recognized that it is a system and culture issue. But as we both know, it's hard to push for system change and culture change. And you can see this in literally every field of public health. A lot of public health solution is there needs to be some sort of large-scale systematic change, and it's always Sisyphean battle. What? Sisyphean? I don't know what that word is. Sisyphus. Oh, all right. You're going like old school. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Sisyphean battle to push for these large-scale change. Why are you making that face? <laughs> That's, I've you know, to be 100% honest, never a word I've heard used before. Well, maybe it's not a word and I just made it up, but that's okay. <laughs> So this was another Why one of our... Why don't you describe a little bit what you mean by a Sisyphean battle? Well, the myth of Sisyphus is that uh, he has to push his boulder up the hill. And then every time he reaches the top of the hill, the boulder comes crumbling down again, right? So it's like an infinite... That's his punishment, like infinite cycle of labor. And I think a lot of public health is like this. Like every small battle we win, there's like another issue that we need to address. And then we have to win those battles and we have to win those battles. And it just seems never ending to fix like large scale things, right? So a lot of public health issue is large scale. So we could feel that way a little bit. That's fair. Although I would try to take a, you know, I just said I was being pessimistic this morning. And so now I'm going to flip and be maybe overly optimistic, which is when we are pushing the boulder forward and we make progress, yes, we do have to keep moving forward because we identify new issues and those pieces. And, and sometimes we fall back a little bit and lose some progress. But I still say that we're in a much better place in 2022 than we were. Oh, yes. Even, you know, in the 1990s. Yeah, for sure. So there has been progress. It's just not as much as expert hoped to from that report. So this was another one of our intro episodes where we set the groundworks and we'll definitely return to patient safety in a future episode discussing, first of all, why it happens and possible solutions to prevent these harms from recurring again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more people can learn about the awesomeness of public health. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It does help the show immensely. Send us questions or comments to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Reach out if you think we missed an important perspective or suggest a future episode topic. 
Follow us on Twitter at EverythingIsPH or Instagram at EverythingIsPublicHealth. You can also find me on Twitter at Dr. Krifasi. If you want to support the podcast directly, we have a Patreon page. You can find the link in the episode description below. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.